Amen. Come on, give him a hand of praise. He's worthy. I love to sing that song because I think it's so amazing to be reminded of the love of Jesus. Amen. And how great his love is toward us. If you would open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John chapter 4. And as you do that, our children are dismissed to Kids Dome. The Gospel of John, chapter 4, and we will begin reading in verse 27. When you got to say so, and the word of the Lord says, And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Lord God, we thank you for your word that is truth. And we pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that even as you have graced us with your presence, that you would speak to our hearts, God. I pray, dear Lord, that you would use me to speak into the lives of my brothers and sisters, Lord God, that are here today. I pray, Lord God, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church, that we would not be idle hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of it. Father, I pray that you would be glorified and that we would be edified through the preaching of your word. And I ask you all of this in the good name of Jesus. Someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, raise your hand really quickly, please. As always, we want to make sure that everyone gets an outline. It's important for us for two reasons. First and foremost, for the practical reason, you are able to take notes. Um, You may have a great memory, but some of us do not. Therefore, writing things down as well as hearing them will help you to remember them. You can write things down that you need to remember, things that stood out to you. And then also, there's some questions that are in the outline. And the reason why those questions are there is because we get together in what we call our Connect Life groups. Those are our small groups that meet weekly in different homes. And what we do is we discuss the sermon that is preached. And so you're also able to put your um, notes down and you're able to answer questions when you get together with your brothers and sisters. And if you are not part of a Connect Life group, I encourage you, everyone, to be part of a Connect Life group, to get connected, to get plugged in. Um, Pastor Chad, who led us in communion, he'll be back up here after the preaching to lead us in offering. You can see him and he will get you connected. Amen? 
All right, so we are continuing in our series in the Gospel of John, the real Jesus, and today we're going to talk uh, uh, regarding this particular portion of Scripture, and the message is entitled, Lift Up Your Eyes. And so looking at your outline, it says, as we witnessed in our, in, the, in our last message, Jesus needed to meet this Samaritan woman who would be used to evangelize the Samaritans who were only half Jewish and excluded by pure-blooded Jews from, from partaking of the Jewish rites. And what Jesus did was Jesus broke the barriers and showed his concern for the least of these and witnessed to the least of the least of these and, th and, and this woman and showed his grace in full effect. And so as a reminder for those of you that weren't here that may not be familiar with the story, John chapter 4, in the beginning of it, it begins talking about Jesus having to go through Samaria and him having to go through Samaria meant that he had to meet this woman and he has this conversation with her in which the topic of worship comes up he deals with her life and he begins to speak into her life and as we as we read in verse 27 and 28 there what happens is this woman goes after having this encounter with Jesus she forgets all about the reason why she even came to the well because she leaves her water pot there and she goes back into the city and she begins to be an evangelist she begins to evangelize this city and communicates to them and what Jesus does if we look at the story and its practicality this woman was the lowest in the community you remember when we talked about this she went out there and she was going to get water at a time that no one would go out to get water because she obviously had a path she had she had a lifestyle that was frowned upon in the culture and among the people that she was living with and so she didn't want to encounter anyone at this well and so Jesus shows us that he cares about the least of us the next thing that we see here is in these two interactions the one with the disciples and the one with the Samaritan woman, how God takes an outsider being the Samaritans and brings them into faith and how insiders, the disciples who should have faith, struggle with doubts and questions and demonstrate a lack in understanding of the heart of their master and their mission. So we see two different groups of people. We see the Samaritan woman that it almost seems like she has better insight than the disciples did. The disciples come up on the scene and they begin to have questions. And we'll look at those questions a little bit more in a moment. But they're filled with some doubts. They're filled with some questions. And for us as disciples, the reality is that even if we're walking with Jesus, there are times that doubts will enter our heart. There are times that questions, <coughs> excuse me, will enter into our heart. And we have to answer those questions by faith, by seeking the will and the word of God and looking at what God's heart is toward us. And so we see Jesus brings this woman who's an outsider, brings her in, gives her, gives her the, the ability to understand and believe, and she goes out in faith, but the disciples are still lacking in their understanding. And lastly, as the disciples of Jesus, this is for all of us, our eyes must be lifted up out of the mundane, everyday grind to the missional, ever-present grace of God that is always working and at hand to change lives beginning with ours. Let me, let me read that again. As the disciples of Jesus, our eyes must be lifted up. And we'll look at that verse where Jesus tells his disciples to lift up their eyes. But our eyes must be lifted up out of the mundane, everyday grind to the missional, ever-present grace of God that is always working and at hand to change lives beginning with ours. See, what happens to us many times is that as we live our lives, we get caught up in just the everyday, going through the motions, everything that we have to do. And we don't realize that Jesus is working every day at all times, and he's waiting for us to connect with him. Amen? He's not, he, he doesn't want us to just get caught up in the everyday routine. See, most of us, you know, we have our routine. I don't know what your routine is, but for some of you, you wake up at a certain time of the morning, you do the exact same thing almost every single day. Hello, somebody. 
You have a routine that you go through. And the question is, are your eyes just down in your routine? You know, you can do your routine basically with your eyes closed. Hello, somebody, right? We can do that routine the, the way that we do it. You know, it's something that is just so normal to us. It becomes so much part of our lives. But as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, we have to have our eyes open. We have to have our eyes open to the reality of what God is doing in the days in which we live. And so the first thing that I would ask you to repeat, repeat after me is this say we must recognize the things in our lives that keep our eyes from being lifted up let's read verses 27 through 33 again and it says at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman yet no one said what do you seek or why are you talking with her the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And so we'll stop there. We must recognize the things in our lives that keep our eyes from being lift, lifted up. There is a real struggle within our lives to be heavenly or spiritually minded people while we live on this earth. Yet the Bible calls us in the book of Colossians chapter 3, the apostle Paul speaking to the church in Colossae and he's communicating to them in this epistle and he tells them to set their minds on things above, not on things of this earth. And so while there is a real struggle for us, and the reason why Paul admonishes them this is because it is very easy for us to get our minds caught up solely in the things of this earth, only in the things that we are dealing with every day in our lives. You see, the Bible calls us to set our minds on things above, not on the things of this earth alone. And the reason why this is so important is because our focal disposition is what determines our actions. See, what I'm focused on is what is going to determine the way that I live. If I'm focused on certain goals in my life, you know, the reason when you're in school and you're younger and many of you hear about this, about setting goals, is because when you set goals, what do you do? You aim toward those goals. You are trying to strive toward those goals. You're going to do things that are going to get you to that place, right? And so when we look at heaven, here's the beauty of this. If you're born again, you're not striving to try to earn heaven. You are living a life to bring glory and honor to Jesus. Are you here? You're living a life not because you're trying to earn heaven. You're not trying to earn your merit. Your merit was earned on the cross already. Someone else already paid the price for you and I to enter into heaven. Now, the one thing that we will understand, and we'll see this in this text as well, is that there are rewards for us in heaven. And so don't get it twisted. While you are not earning heaven, you are earning rewards when you go to heaven. Are you here? And so we should be living for the glory and honor of Jesus because of what Jesus did. And God offers us this ability for us to enter into this great relationship with him, but not solely so we can live and just have a good life while we're here on this earth and be caught up in the things of this world and be caught up in the desires that we have in this earth. But he wants us to have our eyes lifted up beyond where we are. See, this doesn't happen, though, on our own. This isn't because you heard a message that said, hey, man, lift up your eyes. This only happens by the grace of God. And by the grace of God, we must learn to discipline ourselves, not to be overly concerned with the natural things of this world, but to be committed to and conscious of God's kingdom work. Let me say that again. We must learn to discipline ourselves, not to be overly concerned with the natural things of this world, but to be committed to and conscious of God's kingdom work. Understand those two things. Committed to and conscious of. 
committed to and conscious of. See, I have to consciously commit to the kingdom work that God is doing. Jesus, Jesus' disciples, they asked him, and he, and he taught them first how to pray. And the one thing that he says, you know, you, you guys know the prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, he tells them to pray something. The second part of this prayer is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what Jesus is saying is that there is a will of God that is evident. There is a will that is being manifested where? Thy kingdom come on earth, right? On earth as it is in heaven. And so God has established, he has decreed, he has purposed things in heaven. And what we are supposed to do is we are supposed to align ourselves when? Every day we should be aligning ourselves in prayer to do what? To seek the will of God and that way we can be part of the work of God that is manifesting on this earth. But if I am not first and foremost separating myself to be intimate with the master, then I am never going to be conscious of the things that God is doing because I'm so caught up in the mundane, everyday things that I do and the routines in my life and the continuous stuff that happens every day that I will miss what it is that God wants to do through my life. I'll miss the opportunities of what God is trying to work in our lives. And so we see in his disciples, and we can look at these two examples here, because there's two things that we see in them that, that hindered them from having their eyes lifted up. The first one was their ignorance, and the second was their needs. And many times it is our ignorance that keeps us from being attuned or aligned with what it is that God is doing. Sometimes it's just plain and simple ignorance that causes us to think the wrong way. The scripture says what? When, the, when his disciples saw that he was speaking to a woman, they did what? They marveled. That word marveled, they were like shocked. There was something, they, they, didn't, they didn't really understand it. And then it goes on to say, and remember John is one of these disciples here. And John goes on and says, but nobody dared ask him, what are you doing? What do you seek? Why are you talking to her? See, in those days, it was inappropriate. It was, it was, it was frowned upon for a man, especially a rabbi, to speak to a woman who was not his wife or his daughter, someone related to him in a public setting. And so when they saw Jesus speaking there, their traditional mind got caught up and they were missing what, what was really going on was a kingdom work was taking place, but instead they were caught up because of what? Because of their ignorance. And for some of us, it's the same thing for us. We get lost because we are ignorant at whether we are ignoring what God communicates or we are just ignorant because we have not sought it out and we just have not learned the heart of God and come to know what God's will is. See, it's not enough just to pray and talk to God, but you also need to be in his word. Amen, somebody? Because when I get into his word, God liberates me from my ignorance. He opens my eyes and reveals himself unto me and reveals his will and his heart unto me. So when I live my life, I live my life through a filter, and that is God's word for my life. And so we find first ignorance. The second thing is that we see his disciples tell Jesus to do what? They say here in verse 32 they, or in verse 31, they say to him, in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, eat. When he tells him to eat, Jesus says, I have food that you know nothing about. And the second thing that keeps our eyes from being lifted up, that keeps our eyes from being able to see the things the way God wants us to see them is our needs. Because sometimes, we, 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 whether we realize this or not, sometimes we put our needs above everything else in this world. You know, children, <clears throat> babies, you know, they, they show their sinful nature when there's two things going on in their lives, when they are tired and when they are hungry. Amen, somebody. Some of us never got delivered from that as we grew up. Hello. Are you here? 
See, it's okay for my son who is, you know, 22 months old. When he's tired, you know, he just starts screaming. And you just know he's tired. He just, you know, he's, he's a baby. You know, what are you going to do, beat him? I, I Really, you just can't. I mean, ultimately, he's two years old. There's nothing that you can do that you can't shake it out of him. Hello, I'm just saying. I've, n- I've never tried that. I'm just, I just want to let you know. That's not the solution. You know, when he gets to that moment, you just have to figure it out. Be like, okay, well, we got to get home or he's got to get near a bed or something has to happen, right? Well, the same thing happens when he's hungry. When he's hungry, you know, he goes a little ballistic. And so what happens is for some of us, when we get hungry, some of y'all looking at your watch like, all right, Bishop, you got 10 more minutes before my hunger starts to kick in and then my sugar starts to drop and my attitude starts to change and everything gets a little crazy, right? And so ultimately what we have to understand is that sometimes, you know, in in, in that extreme situation when we're hungry, right, our stomach gets the best of us and we even excuse ourselves. And I, I, I can confess, I can confess, I've told my wife sometimes, babe, I'm sorry, I'm just hungry. Hello, somebody. I'm the only one, right? I'm the only one that has, has said that. Babe, I'm just starving right now, right? Or I'm just exhausted or whatever the case is. Well, let me tell you, we need to repent of that, amen? Somebody say amen to that. You know, we can't be using that as an excuse. You are not a 24-month-old baby. Hello, somebody, right? We need to be able to control ourselves. But, but, but the reality is, in our lives, sometimes our needs take precedence over other stuff. Sometimes our needs, well, you know what, I need to go to work, and I need this, and I need that, and so we have these needs that we have. And can I ask you a question, is eating a bad thing? No, I'm looking forward to it after this service, amen? Eating is not a bad thing. The problem is when your belly becomes your idol. The book of Philippians talks about their bellies have become their idols, and so ultimately the issue is when we allow things that we need to, be to, to take precedence over everything that God is trying to communicate, that is when the problem comes into place. See, God's greater purposes must become our driving passion. Pastor, pa- Pastor Peter, Dr. Pete Owenson, he used a term called the meta-narrative. He said, we are part of this meta-narrative. He said, I could use it. I'm going to give him credit for it. But the meta-narrative is what? It's what God has been doing since the beginning of creation. It's the big picture that you and I get to be part of. That's what needs to motivate our lives, that we are part of this meta-narrative, that while we are a small piece of this big picture, nonetheless, we are part of this picture that God is painting, right? We are part of what God is doing in this earth. See, our eyes must be lifted to the reality that we are a part of the bigger picture of God's plan of redemption and he has been working since eternity past. I like the way Tully and Tavijan puts it. He said that, you know, when you look at the meta narrative, it is this. It is what God did, how man messed it up and how God is fixing it. Hello. You see, what God did, God created everything good. God created everything perfect. And man did what? Man decided that he was going to not listen to God. He was going to listen to his own desires. He decided that he was going to disobey God. And when he disobeyed God, he brought sin. He brought death. He brought the curse onto this earth. And now what? Things got messed up. But is that, is that, is that, is that the end of the story? No, that's not the end of the story. Because Jesus comes and dies. That's the beauty of this gospel that we preach We in and week out that we that God is a good God that we are sinners that we are on our way to hell separated from God but Jesus comes because he wants to deliver us from sin and he does what he dies in our place 
And through the power of this gospel, our lives as individuals are changed. Our families are changed. Everything around us is changed when the power of the gospel is allowed to enter in and bring transformation to our lives. And so what we have to realize is that we are part of this bigger picture, and we need to understand this. And, and, and see, this, this, if there's one thing that you get out of this, there's one thing that you write down, please understand this. Your life is more than the things that you do. Are you here? Your life is more than the needs that you have. Your life is more than the routine that you have become so accustomed to. Your life is more than that. Because of what? Because God's purposes are around us working at all times. And we need to realize that God has stationed us in this life to be part of the greater work that he is doing. He's called us to be part of that great work that he's doing in us and through our lives. Second thing, ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, by, by God's grace, our eyes are lifted up and our passions changed. By God's grace, our eyes are lifted up and our passions changed. Let's read verse 33 and verse 34. Verse 33 says, Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. See, Jesus had this habit of taking natural examples and turning them into spiritual teaching. Remember in, in John chapter 3, he had a conversation with a guy by the name of Nicodemus, and he was talking about this new birth, and he talked about being born again. We had that whole conversation, and Nicodemus didn't understand that. He's like, how can a man be born again? Does he go back into his mother's womb? He didn't get that because he was what? His eyes were low. His eyes were on this earth. He couldn't see the spiritual truth that Jesus was trying to communicate. The next thing that we see is in this conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well. Remember, he said to her, he said, if you knew who was asking you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Remember that? And she was like, but you have nothing to draw with. And, and then what ended up happening was she didn't get the whole, you know, big spiritual implication Jesus was communicating. And now... You see, with his disciples, he uses two things here. One is food and the other one is harvest. Well, the way that you are, the way you get food is through harvest. And so Jesus is communicating to them and letting them know that there is something that is greater. Jesus was filled in his innermost being by fulfilling the will of the Father. As his disciples, we must embrace this truth. We will find no greater fulfillment in our lives than when we fulfill the will of God. You remember when Jesus was in the desert and the, and, and, and the devil was tempting him, right? You remember the story? And he says to him, if you really are the son of God, tell these stones to do what? To turn to bread, right? And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, man shall not live, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, this is an echo of that. What Jesus is saying is that you guys were in the city getting food, but I was sitting by this well and my soul was being nourished. Notice something in the story when you think back on it. Did Jesus ever get a drink? Did it ever record that she ever gave him a drink? Did she get a drink? Obviously not. She left her water pot there. And so it's amazing because the scripture clearly says that Jesus was physically tired. But something happened when Jesus met this woman. When he met this woman, all of a sudden, his soul was satiated. All of a sudden, his heart began to overflow. All of a sudden, because he began to experience something supernatural that was occurring, there, this, this, this desire that he had for natural things seemed to subside. Because what? Because he was connected with a kingdom thing. He was connected with the will of God. He realized at that moment that now he was in a conversation that was a divine appointment 
disappointment. He realized, you know what? It wasn't about my lunch break. I know I was starving on my way to the, you know, wherever I was going, but I met somebody who needed a word from the Lord and I happened to be present. And all of a sudden, 20 minutes later, I was speaking the words of God into their life and I forgot that I had to eat. All of a sudden, the grumbly and my tumbly or whatever Pastor Aldo says, it was no longer kicking in because what? Because the Spirit of God began to fill my soul because I was ministering. The book of Proverbs says, he who waters shall be watered. Therefore, when I begin to pour out from the abundance of God that comes through my life, my soul begins to experience a satisfaction that can only come by someone whose eyes have been lifted up. You see, the reality is that God wants us to realize that there is a greater satisfaction in our soul that some of us have yet to experience because we are so caught up waiting for the perfect life or the perfect moment. And all God wants us to be is people that have the right perspective. People who see things when he is showing them to us. People who are sensitive to what he is doing. See, Jesus communicates and he tells the disciples straight up, I have food you don't know anything about. See, some of you are sitting in here and you have no idea what I'm talking about. Listen, you're just like the disciples. It's okay. You're in good company. Hello. I'm just saying. You don't know what it's like to have your day turned around by a divine appointment. Listen, God, everybody in this place, if you are a child of God, God wants to use you. Understand this. He doesn't want to just use me. He doesn't want to just use a few people that seem super spiritual. Listen, he wants us all to be super spiritual. Hello. He wants us all to be sensitive to what he's doing. He wants to use our life. And for some of you, you know what? You haven't experienced that in a long time. For some of you, you knew what that was like years ago. You knew what that, that you, you knew what that, what I was talking about. Years, you haven't experienced that. But you know what? God calls you to do what? To realign yourself to his heart. To realign yourself to his word. And for some of you that have never experienced it, you may not even know Jesus. And today, he calls you into relationship with him. He calls you to repent of your sin. He calls you to trust him as Savior and God of your life. And he wants to lead you on this mission with him so that way you can experience this satisfaction of soul that only God gives us. And the way that that happens is through us being sensitive. You see, once we taste the fulfillment of our soul that ties in with obeying the Lord, especially in regards to bringing others to faith, those natural things that once had our attention become less enticing and less overwhelming. See, those things that hinder us from experiencing that, you know, in, in this world, those things that hold us back. See, when we experience this, see, I don't know about anybody else in this place, but there is nothing like and I say this sincerely, there is nothing like being in one of those divine conversations. There's nothing like being in a conversation with someone when you, listen, you don't even understand it. This is how you know when you're in one of those conversations. Because words are coming out of you, you have no clue where they're coming from. Are you here? You, I mean, you think, you're saying stuff like you're a Bible scholar and you're, you know you're not. Hello? You know, and then you, you're, you're communicating and there's this flow of life that is flowing through you. Listen, it, when, when you experience that, you know what you do? You long to be in the presence of God so that way you can come out of there and be empowered to be a minister of this gospel. Listen, church, we need to be awakened. I'm telling you, we need to be awakened outside of the norms of our days and say, God, what is it that you're trying to do? What is the bigger picture in my life that you're trying to do through me? You've put me here for a reason. You have put me here with a purpose. God, use me for your kingdom. Use me for your glory. But don't just pray that because I remember I told you all this story one time. I remember one time I was in my house and 
It was one of those days that I was off. There was no one home. I don't know where my wife was, my daughter. I didn't have anything to do that day. I was just going to be at home just, you know, doing nothing. And I remember praying that day. And as I'm praying, I decided to be spiritual, right? And I decided to pray, you know, God, bring someone into my life that I can minister to. And he was like, well, you're going to walk out the door or what? Hello. Like, I wanted him to bring someone to knock on the door so I could preach to them. Are you hearing me, right? The point is, you know, I have, I'm in a neighborhood that says no soliciting. Chance of that happening are slim and none. I'm just saying. The reality is, you know, if we're going to pray that prayer, that's a good prayer to pray. But you need to be sensitive. You need to be open to where the Lord is going to lead you. And when that door opens, you need to go through it. Amen? The third thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, God lifts our eyes in order for us to join him in his mission. God lifts our eyes in order for us to join him in his mission. Verses 35 to verse 38. It says, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors." See, I don't know about you, but there is no greater honor than being invited to partake in the most important tasks. Amen? When someone invites you to be part of something big, you know, something amazing, there's no greater honor than that, that someone would choose you. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, whenever, I mean, for, you, you may not get invitations to preach places, but, you know, whenever I get invited to preach somewhere, to be part of something that has to do with making disciples and ministering to people, I consider that a great honor. When someone invites me to do that, and you know, as we were, as, as I was growing up, you know, there are certain things that are that seem much more honorable. I always make the joke that little kids they want to be part, of, they they want to participate in everything. Like you know, if you have the broom out, they want to grab the broom and sweep when they really don't know how to sweep. You know, you have the vacuum out, they want to grab the vacuum and they really don't know how to vacuum. You know, dishes, all that kind of stuff. They want to be there until they get old enough to actually do it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hello, what happened? I, you, you used to grab that broom and you wanted to sweep the whole, I couldn't get the broom away from you, right? Now you're like trying to get him to wash your dishes, like, you know, pulling teeth, hello. And so, you know, ultimately, you know, we, we see certain things that are, you know, honorable, like certain things you want to do. And I remember, I wish my brother-in-law was here because he would laugh a little bit, but, you know, he's, he's a little bit younger than me. And so my mother-in-law, you know, she, she was very part of me becoming a man that was able to fix stuff around the house. Amen, somebody, right? In other words, what she did was she helped me to learn how to paint, glory to God. She helped me to learn to put stuff together by doing what? Giving me projects, amen? She was helping me, right? And so ultimately, what, you know, what, 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 what ended up happening was there were certain projects that I needed assistance with. Like i never forget the first time that we put up a microwave, that you know, the one that goes under the range and stuff like that. So I remember my, brother and I, my brother-in-law and I doing that. I don't even know how that thing is still, still standing, but glory to God. Thank God my mother-in-law moved. But anyway... Um, I remember doing that, that, that microwave, and my brother-in-law was there, and the only thing I kept asking him was, hey, man, can you hand me that tool? Hey, man, can you give me this there? 
And he hated that. And as he got older, now the thing has changed. Now my brother-in-law is like super handy. And when I work with him, he's like, can you hand me that tool? I'm like, here you go, bro. You know, but the thing is, it's tough when you get two guys that are super handy. And I'm not super handy, so I don't care. But you get two guys that they know everything, right? And two guys that they both know how to do it. They both have their own ideas. Nobody wants to hand the other person the tools. Hello. I'm just saying. You both want to do the job. Like, you know what? Just get out of here. I'll take care of it, right? You need to find someone else to help you. But here's the point. The point is that nobody wants to be the helper. But can I tell you something? I want to tell you this. And then, you know, this may upset you, but just get over it. Jesus is the hero. Amen? (laughs) You are not the hero. I am not the hero. Hello. Jesus is the hero. It's all about Jesus. You know, that good feeling that I get whenever I'm speaking and I know that God is speaking through me, that should humble me and make me do what? Point to Not me, because it's not about me. It's not about people thinking that I am so great. It's about people knowing who is the great I am. And that is Jesus. See, Jesus is the superhero. And let me tell you something. The, 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 the message that he utilizes, the source of life or the seed of life is what? It is the gospel. It's not 10 steps to this, 5 steps to that, 3 steps to this, 18 steps to this. It's not that. There is one message and one truth, and it is the gospel that people's lives are changed by. You want to see people change? Then we share the truth about the hero of the story, which is Jesus. See, my life only looks like it does because of what? Because of Jesus. It is only because of him that he keeps me together. It is only because of him that he holds me strong. It is only because of him that I'm able to live the life that he's called me to live. It's only by grace. But here's the beauty of this. While Jesus is the hero and the gospel is the source of life, we get to sow and we get to reap. See, he gives us an important part in the whole thing. Hello. Sowing is important. It's hard work. Reaping is, is important. It's hard work. But he allows us to be part of what he is doing. He allows us. We're not the hero. We're not the source of life. He is the hero. He is the source of life. But you know what? He says, you can sow and you can reap. And guess what? We're going to rejoice together. That's what the scripture said. We are going to rejoice together. And he says that the one that reaps, he reaps what? He reaps wages. Remember what I said? We're living for rewards. Hello. We're living for the glory of God. We're living for eternity to come. We're living to bring glory and honor to God. See, to have our eyes lifted up, what I mean by this when he says to lift up your eyes, he's telling his disciples, he's saying, look, you say it's four months to the harvest. He says, lift up your eyes. And many writers, what they think is that at that moment, they're looking over the harvest and over where the grain was. And they think that what happened was, is that the the Samaritans who were coming toward Jesus, their clothing looked like white, right? And so it looked like the harvest was brightened up because these people that were coming and in the immediate context what Jesus is saying he's saying lift up your eyes look at the harvest that's coming it is already white in other words for you and I it's the same thing see we have so many people in our days that are so negative about the gospel but can I tell you something there are so many people in our days who are desperately waiting for someone to communicate the truth to them There are so many people in our days who have not heard the truth and need to hear it or have heard the truth and they need to see an example. They need to be loved. They need to experience what it is that God is doing in your life. And the only way that that's going to happen is if we are sensitive to the spirit. See, the world wants us to be cynical about the gospel, cynical about our faith and be like, you know what? This is not going to change anyone. People don't want to hear this. Listen, there are plenty of people that don't want to hear this. But listen, there are many other people that need to hear this. 
And we need to be the ones who are going out there living this life for the glory and honor of Jesus. And so when I say to have your eyes lifted up, it means to see beyond yourself. Listen, if your eyes are going to be lifted up, you're going to have to see beyond your circumstances, beyond your situation, beyond what you are going through, beyond what you are experiencing, beyond the season of your life. Hello, somebody. To be lifted, to have our eyes lifted up means that I'm going to have to understand beyond my understanding. It means that I'm going to have to care beyond my concern. In other words, it means that I'm going to have to have a supernatural encounter with God where he opens my eyes to the realities of what he is doing around us. It means to be moved by the high calling of God and to see others from God's perspective. That is through the lens of the gospel. See, I see everyone. I, we, we, we were in our, in our connect group um, last week, and, and Leticia was talking, and she was sharing in the group, and she was saying to us, she was like, you know, a lot of times, you know, we think that there's, you know, um, she, we were obviously talking about Pastor Frank's message last week and talking about, you know, uh, about that life. And she said, you know, a lot of people, you know, they want to act like they're in, but they're really out, and there's really no, there, there's really no in between. You're either in or you are out. Are you here? You see, there's people that are almost saved. You know what almost saved means? They're not saved. They're almost. And if they die being almost saved, they will almost make heaven, but they won't. Listen, and I say that, but the truth is that should, that, that's scary because there's people that are almost a bunch of stuff, but they're not there, right? Like I almost got that promotion. You know what that means? That means you're still working the same position and you didn't get promoted. You didn't get a pay increase. Hello. Almost don't matter. Almost don't cut it. Almost is not there. And so what we need to consider is, am I walking in this walk? Am I living this life with Christ? I mean, that, that, that's the question here. But we see everyone through that lens. We see everyone through the lens of the gospel. We are all fallen. Hello. See, that's the reason why we're able to forgive one another, because we are all fallen. It's not just you that are fallen. I'm fallen as well. Hello. See, I, I'm imperfect as well. Therefore, I can forgive your imperfections. I can forgive you when you sin. Why? Because I see you through the lens of the gospel. See, when I'm dealing with you at work, you know, and, and for those of you that are in, in, in work environments with people that, you know, act certain ways, I see you through the lens of the gospel. Hello? I see you as someone who needs Jesus. But you don't need Jesus any more than I do. Hello? We all have this great need for him. See, when our eyes have been lifted up, we see the gospel opportunities all around us as urgent and immediate. See, Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to have an encounter with these Samaritans. He had to encounter this woman at the well. And for us, we start to see our lives as being those who have these gospel opportunities. And so the first thing is I see a personal responsibility to live a life for the glory and for the honor of Jesus, to live a life that brings honor to God, to live a life that does what? That points people to Christ. I see that on a personal level. But see, then there's other uh, gospel opportunities. You know, we all, I always ask you the same question. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. I use it as a moment to be able to point you in the direction of our Connect Life Group. See, Connect Life Groups are not just a Bible study time that we come together in. Connect Life Groups are a place where we share life together. And you know what also should be happening is that we should also be going out there together as a people of God, sharing this gospel by participating in the things that are going on in our communities to do what? To be the light in the midst of a dark world. When Jesus sent out his disciples to go, did he send them out one by one or did he send them out two by two? He sent them out two by two. He sent them out together. He sent them out in groups. Why? Because you need that support when you're living this life. See, there are certain places that you and I are going to have to be alone. That's just a reality. Like, I can't go to work with you every day. Hello. Right? 
So you're going to have to be in that place. But spiritually, we're connected because I'm praying for you. I'm praying for God's grace to be working in your life. I'm praying for God's grace to be manifested through you and for God to use you. But see, we can come together. We can be encouraged. We can pray for one another. And so listen, I encourage you to make sure that you see your life as something bigger than just the things that you do. See, Jesus invites us to join him in what he is already doing. And I I love this. God doesn't ask us to prepare the hearts or make the seed grow. He asks us to be faithful in sowing the seed through proclaiming the gospel and watering it with love and prayer and follow-up conversations. Can you turn with me really quickly and we'll close with this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter three, and we'll begin in verse five. First Corinthians chapter three and verse five. When you got to say so, it says, who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. And so there's, there, there's this divide, division that's going on. Some people are in the congregation of Corinth saying, well, I'm of Apollos. In other words, Apollos is my pastor. And other people are saying, well, I'm of Paul. Well, Paul is my pastor. Or I'm of Peter. You know, Peter is my pastor. And so you can apply that to our days today. You know, I'm part of this denomination. I'm part of that denomination. I'm part of this, you know, whatever it is. And Paul is saying there's an issue with that because it's not about Paul, it's not about Apollos, it's about Jesus. Remember, Jesus is the hero. Hello. But he goes on and he says this. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. You see the power in this text here? The power of it is this, is that Paul makes it very clear. He says, I, as one who was sowing, am nothing. Apollos, as one who was watering, is nothing. The one who is everything is Jesus And he invites us. He says that we are his fellow workers. I love the way Paul says that. He doesn't say we are his fellow workers like me and Apollos. He says you are. We are. He's speaking about us collectively. If you have come into the faith, you are a fellow worker with God. Amen. You have been called to participate hand in hand with God in this great mission of bringing redemption to the lives of as many people as possible. And notice, Paul doesn't make it grow. Apollos doesn't make it grow. God is the one who makes it grow. So what does God call us to do? God calls us to be part of the process. He calls you to sow. And when we sow the gospel, it is very clear. We sow the gospel through presenting the gospel clearly. Not halfway presenting the gospel in its fullness, in its glory. Not everyone wants to hear the gospel. That's okay. They still need to hear it. You and I need to be faithful with it. Listen, sometimes preaching the gospel is uncomfortable. Nonetheless, it is the gospel that changes lives eternally. It's not comfort. It's not feeling good. It is the good news that God saves sinners. That is good news when people don't want to hear their sinners. People want to hear about mistakes they made. They don't want to hear about their rebellion against God. 
They don't want to hear about the debt that they owe to God. They don't want to hear about the hell that people are on their way to. But listen, we are called to proclaim the truth and make it known that Jesus died a glorious death. And he rose a glorious resurrection to give us new life. That gospel is what changes. But, we, what, but how do we water the seed? Well, Apollos came back in there, and he did what? Well, he shared on top of what Paul had already communicated. He continued to communicate the truth of God's word. In other words, be consistent with the life that you live. Love people. Show people the love of God. Even if they reject your Savior, don't stop loving them. Don't shun people because you got them for 10 minutes in a corner, and they rejected you and didn't make a prayer. Hello. Continue to love them because you know what that does? That waters that seed. That continues to water the seed. Look for opportunities to have follow-up conversations. And that way what? You can see the seed give growth. See, my closing question is this. Where are your eyes? Where are your eyes today? Where are your eyes sincerely? Are you available? Are you open? Are you susceptible? Are, are, you, are you sensitive to what the Spirit of God is doing? Or are you so caught up in your mundane, everyday grind that you miss God? That you're not even seeing what God is doing? That you're not even being sensitive to what God is doing? Are you so caught up in yourself or in your circumstance or in your situation that you can't see beyond it? If that's you today, God calls you to repent of that mindset. He calls you to turn unto him and allow him to supernaturally open your eyes. You see, it is only by the power of grace. See, the reason why this message of grace, this gospel of grace is so important, it is because it is only by the grace of God that our eyes will be open and remain open. It's only by the grace of God. It is only by the power of grace and through the impact of the gospel upon our lives that our eyes can be lifted up. So my question is, where are your eyes? Stand to your feet. Bow your heads with me. Let us pray together. Hallelujah. Gracious Father, we come to you today. And Lord, we recognize how great you are, how merciful and how kind you are, Lord. And God, today, I just lift my heart before you and my voice unto you. And I pray for us in this place, my God. I pray first and foremost for your people, my Lord, that our eyes would be opened, that our eyes would be recognizing, Lord God, what you are doing, that we are more than just the things that we do. We are more than the titles that we carry. We are more than the responsibilities we have. But God, you've called us to be part of what you are doing in this earth. Lord, my prayer, Lord God, is that we would be a people whose eyes are opened, whose eyes are lifted up. Father, I pray for those, Lord God, who are struggling, my Lord, to see beyond themselves, to see beyond their circumstance, to see beyond what they are going through in their lives or the season of their life that they're in. Help them, my God, to grasp the gravity of your high calling on their lives, God. Help them to allow you to work in this natural world, in their life, in their circumstances, and trust you by faith, Lord God, to fulfill your will. Father, and I pray lastly for those in this place that do not know you, God. Lord, I pray that they would trust you today. 
I pray that they would put their hope in you today, that they would recognize their sinfulness, that they would recognize that they cannot save themselves, that they cannot make themselves right before you, God, that they would realize how desperate they are for you and that they would repent of their sin, that they would put their faith in God the Son who lived a perfect life, who died a sinner's death, and who rose as victorious Savior. God, we honor you today. We pray all these things in Jesus' good name. Someone said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.